Good morning, I'm Donna Quinn. And for the next half hour, you'll be listening to Talk of Our Towns. Today, we have a really exciting program. The Columbia River Shipwreck Conference is happening on Saturday, February 4th at the Columbia River Maritime Museum. It's co-sponsored by the Maritime Museum and the Maritime Archaeological Society, which is based here in Astoria, Oregon. Uh, tonight, there's also an Ales and Ideas presentation at Fort George. The doors open at six, the presentation's at seven. And one of my guests, Chris Dewey, who is a shipwreck archaeologist and teaches at Clatsop Community College, will be speaking tonight. Uh, he is also going to be, obviously, at the Columbia River Shipwreck Conference. So today he is my guest. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. I'm so happy to have you here. And yeah, we are pleasure. also fortunate enough to have Bruce Jones, who is the Deputy Director of the Columbia River Maritime Museum. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Donna. Great to be here. I'm so happy to have both of you here. And before we talk about shipwrecks and, um, and the conference coming up, let's have the listening audience learn a bit more about the two of you. So Chris Dewey, shipwreck archaeologist and teacher at Classic Community College, please tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, I was uh, born in Brooklyn, New York, uh, raised all over the country. My mom worked for the VA, so we moved every couple of years. Uh, I joined the Navy out of high school and uh, went to see the world. And when I retired after 23 years, uh, I couldn't figure out what to do. So I used my GI Bill, went back to school, uh, studied to be a shipwreck archaeologist down in uh, Pensacola, Florida. Had a great time in school. Uh, got my master's degree, and then we met a number of people in Florida that came from Oregon. They were wonderful people, and they said, you ought to go check this place out. Uh, my wife and I took a vacation up here uh, for a week in Portland and along the coast and decided this was the place for us. So when I graduated, we drove north and west and uh, ended up here in Astoria. Uh, it's a wonderful place, and it's... Uh, it kind of fits what we need on the coast. Get the Maritime Museum here. You got the college. It's just a super friendly town. And we fell in love with the story pretty quickly. And shipwrecks. So many shipwrecks here. Yes. Yes. There's a, there's a number of shipwrecks out here. The state maintains that there are at least 3,000, over 3,000 shipwrecks in Oregon waters. And most of those happened on the very dangerous Columbia Bar. And they only have documentation on about 300 of those. And even that documentation is pretty thin. So that's what the Maritime Archaeological Society was kind of founded around, was to bring that information on all these other shipwrecks into the public record. And that was uh, kind of what we got together for. Excellent. Thank you, Chris. And Bruce Jones, please. Uh, <laughs> Some people have known you, obviously, as the mayor of Astoria, which you, uh, um, which you are no longer now at the mayor. So you probably have a little free time, maybe. Just just a little bit more free time now. Yeah. So I, uh, from Virginia, originally joined the Coast Guard out of college, spent 30 years uh, primarily as a helicopter pilot, finishing up my Coast Guard career here in Astoria, which was our first assignment to the West Coast. And uh, fell in love with Astoria, retired from the Coast Guard in 2014, and I went to work as a helicopter pilot for the Columbia River Bar Pilots for several years, uh, flying their pilots out to uh, to inbound ships offshore and picking the pilots off of outbound ships uh, offshore. 
and uh, and then the deputy director position at the Columbia River Maritime Museum opened, and I applied for it. Was fortunate enough to get it. I've worked here for a little over five years now, and it's just a it's a great uh, it's a great place to uh, bring maritime expertise and connections to bear on history, which I love, and uh, so. Really excited to to still be working at the Columbia River Maritime Museum and for the programs we have coming up this year. Excellent. We're going to hear more about those programs too. So the the conference that's coming up is co-sponsored by the Columbia River Maritime Museum and the Maritime Archaeological Society. Um, and looking at the uh, Maritime Archaeological Society website, it says that the mission is to serve the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Um, dedicated to historic shipwreck documentation and public education and maritime heritage. And you were very much a part of, of that, uh, forming that, Chris. Yes. Uh, when I showed up here, I had a brand new maritime archaeology degree. And I there are a lot of archaeology companies in Oregon, but almost none of them are doing maritime work. And that really surprised me. So we got a bunch of folks together, a bunch of historians, a number of archaeologists, and, and it really started with uh, the Beeswax Wreck Project that, that actually started long before I got here with Scott Williams. And that was uh, one of the issues that they had is they were not a formal organization. They were just a bunch of folks who were looking for a shipwreck. And so when I got here, I said, boy, we need a lot of equipment. And uh they had no means to to raise money for that. So we became a 501c3. We can now accept donations from people, which has been extremely helpful. We've applied for grants. We've gotten several of those. And now we've got some pretty cool toys that we can take out and look for shipwrecks. Not just the beeswax wreck. We can use these up in the Puget Sound, down on the river, or out off the coast. And and since the beeswax wreck was in the news last year, uh, most people may be familiar with it. But if they're not, um, this was a very big thing that brought a lot of attention to Manzanita. Can you just frame that for us a little bit, Chris? Sure. Uh, what's been known as the beeswax wreck was actually part of the Spanish uh, Manila trade, uh, Spanish galleon Manila trade. They built these ships for low cost in Manila, and they would sail them up towards Japan, catch the westerly winds, and they would sail uh, east towards the North American coast, and they'd make landfall right at about uh, the Northern California area. Then they'd take a right, head down to Acapulco, offload all of their merchant goods, and then put them on a mule train, carry them across uh, Mexico, and then take them from Veracruz over to Spain. Very long, arduous trip, but that was because the, the Pope had delineated the lines of demarcation between Spain and Portugal, uh, and it made it, the Spanish couldn't go the other way because of the Pope's decree. So that was their, their train. And uh, then they would load their galleon up with silver from the, the Incas, Incan uh, Empire, and they'd sail it back to Manila and keep going. They'd do a couple of these a year, and they were technically the giant container ships of their time, just packed to the gills with uh, all kinds of merchant uh, equipment or, or goods, such as uh, linens and porcelain and beeswax. 
and beeswax was decreed by the Catholic Church to be the candle that they required because it, it didn't smoke as much. There, there was no, um, there was no soot to, to damage the church. So beeswax was exceptionally valuable, although it was readily available in the Philippines. Yeah, it surprised me to realize that textiles, beeswax, porcelain, all of that was as valuable as gold in those days. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so people talk of it as a treasure ship. It was a treasure ship in its time. None of those things are are as important to us anymore. But at the time, uh, ceramics, uh, which you can buy at Freddy's nowadays, uh, was highly valuable at the time. And the same with with uh, linens and and all kinds of uh, silks and things and beeswax as well. Super valuable at the time. So you you established the Maritime Archaeological Society based in Astoria, and uh, then how did this idea for a shipwreck conference, which is open to the public, um, and and that's a wonderful thing. It wasn't. Uh, when you first started, it was just a lot of enthusiasts, I think, about uh, maritime archaeology. And so in 2020, you had your first, you know, open to the public. And then, of course, the pandemic um, uh, occurred. And so now you're having this one in February, on Saturday, February 4th. How did that idea come about? And what is the purpose of the Shipwreck Conference? Yes, well, it started as just a membership meeting for our organization. And then in 2020, we, as you mentioned, we had uh, a great guest, uh, Dr. James Delgado, come down. He spoke uh, very eloquently about the need for volunteer archaeology, particularly in the underwater area. Uh, and that was that was a great conference. We were all excited to do this every year. And then the pandemic hit. So the next year, we kind of let it go. Uh, last year, we did a virtual conference, and this year we're back to having people come to hear great speakers talk about maritime archaeology. And it's a it's a joint conference between us and the Maritime Museum. And I've, I've got to say off the top that we are so grateful to the Maritime Museum for everything that they've done for us. Not only do they give us spaces to work in, uh, and they've they've collected all of the shipwreck timbers that we'll eventually talk about here, I guess. But you know they, they they've been a tremendous help in guiding us through this nonprofit organization. Uh, the discussions I've had with Sam and Bruce and Jeff Smith over there have really helped us out quite a bit. Hmm. And um, Bruce, let's talk a little bit about that about how you got involved and and the shipwreck exhibit that you just opened and and some of your ongoing programs. Sure. Well, the Maritime Archaeological Society's work and the Maritime Museum's work just tie together perfectly. There's such synergy there. And yeah, people are always fascinated by shipwrecks. Um, we, we learn a lot about our, our ancestors from shipwrecks, about how they lived, about what was important to them, how their economies worked, their uh, craftsmanship. And, uh, and so we have countless artifacts in the museum's collections uh, and in the new that are from shipwrecks and our new exhibit that opened earlier in 2022 on shipwrecks really explores not just the the sort of cool hey there's a piece of a shipwreck but how do shipwrecks happen what are the human errors that come into play that cause ships to uh, to wreck and how do people respond to shipwrecks uh, lifesavers over time what type of equipment did they use uh you know before they had motor lifeboats how did they rescue people um and uh 
And what's the impact on the environment of shipwrecks and on the economy of shipwrecks? And so we look at all those things in our shipwreck exhibit. And we also have an interactive decision-making game called Captain's Dilemma, which lets the guest actually put themselves in the shoes of a captain and be faced with a variety of choices to make uh, that they may or may not prevent them from having a shipwreck. So it kind of gives you a little bit of a glimpse into what it's like to be a captain of a ship and the kind of things you have to to think about. But uh, yeah, we're thrilled to have the Maritime Archaeological Society here. It's a perfect tie-in. And uh, there's so much more to be discovered. And, you know, with the beeswax wreck, if eventually a major part of the ship is discovered, um, you know, that may be a multi-year effort to, with the approvals from all the appropriate authorities, conduct a proper archaeological excavation and dig and and perhaps have a major new exhibit at the museum if we can find a significant part of the the Manila galleon. Yeah, and maybe we should just explain exactly what the beeswax shipwreck was. It was a it was a a, a galleon, a Spanish galleon, which is essentially just means a large multi-decked sailing ship, and it was um, uh, it, it was wrecked about what three hundred years ago. Is that right, Chris? Yes, a little over three hundred years. And then last year, suddenly finding these timbers in a cave near Manzanita, that sparked a lot of media coverage. Right. Uh, it, there's a beachcomber, Craig Andes, who discovered this, and he did a wonderful job. Uh, he goes out and searches in places where most sane people would not go, unfortunately. he's uh, He walked out on the, the, uh, the, the rocks of Cape Falcon, and he found these timbers and he brought them to us and we were surprised and we we did the testing on them uh we discovered that they were uh pacific uh western or asian uh hardwood and the the carbon datings were right in the in the good vicinity so uh we realized that that was part of the uh beeswax wreck and craig had found it for us and then we basically went to the state parks because this is in the state parks and it's also in a fish and wildlife preserve. So that means you can't just run out there and grab it. Uh, you had to get permission from them and it took them uh, two years to get permission to, to do this. Okay. And, and we're going to talk. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. please. Well, but they, they, they had to talk to their fish guy and their, their bird guy and, and we couldn't just run out there and grab it. Eventually, the scientists said, yes, it, it's it's great to, that you can go out and get it. And they sent uh, the fire department from uh, Nehalem out there, and they were able to yank it off the beach and put it behind a jet ski. And it was uh, all done very, very professionally. Right. And I think we'll talk more about the beeswax. but um, mm -hmm. the, And the fact that, you know, we have to be respectful of the, you know, the ecosystem and that we're not out there trying to... Um, it's very dangerous and that, you know, uh, to try to, and we don't want to take things that are historical, you know, uh, objects, which could be really helpful. Um, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Talk of Our Towns. I'm your host, Donna Quinn. And today we're talking about the Columbia River Shipwreck Conference. It's happening on Saturday, February 4th um, at the Columbia River Maritime Museum, co-sponsored by the, the Maritime Archaeological Society based in Australia and also the Columbia River Maritime Museum. Uh, tonight, also at Fort George, Ales and Ideas, Chris Dewey, who is one of the guests on the program today, is a shipwreck archaeologist. He also teaches at Clatsop Community College, and he will be speaking tonight uh, about the beeswax, mostly. Right, Chris? Is that 
mostly we'll be speaking about the beeswax tonight. Yes, and I'm going to talk, Craig uh, found the wreck, the state pulled off the timbers, but I'm going to talk about the continuing mission to find the rest of the galleon, mostly underwater stuff. Uh, it should be pretty interesting. Awesome. And I also have as a guest um, Deputy Director of the Columbia River Maritime Museum, Bruce Jones. And uh, the Maritime Museum just opened a shipwreck exhibit last fall. Um, they are um, highly involved in everything that the Maritime Archaeological Society is doing. And also, Bruce, I want to give you a chance so we don't forget um, to talk a teeny bit about the classes, the winter um, series that you have going on. Right. We have a lecture series that starts Tuesday next week, January 10th, from 11 until 11 a.m. until noon. And it'll be six weeks in a row. And the first lecture is uh, we're going to we're going to hear from Jacob Hendrickson, who is the first person to row nonstop and unsupported across the Pacific Ocean and the uh, rowboat, the Emerson. The Emerson is 28 feet long and it was built in Portland at uh, Schooner Creek's Boatworks. And we brought that boat into the museum just yesterday. So if you come visit the Columbia River Maritime Museum, you can see the Emerson. And next Tuesday, you can come at 11 a.m. and hear uh, Jacob talk about his 11-month nonstop uh, row across the Pacific Ocean, which is a pretty impressive, uh, impressive feat. And we're just thrilled to have visitors here. You know, last year was our 60th anniversary, uh, 60 years from our founding. Uh, we were originally just across the street at what's now the Clatsop, uh, the Clatsop Historical Museum. And uh, in 2022, we had 103,000 visitors. It's a little bit less than our highest year before the pandemic. But considering the pandemic, we're, we're pretty thrilled to have 103,000 people a year coming into the museum. And I do want to mention also that at the end of 2023 or early 2024, we'll be opening uh, the exhibit that I'm really most excited and proud of, which is a major exhibit on the coastal indigenous peoples of the Pacific Northwest. So we're gonna really look at indigenous culture through the centuries and up to the present day, the ways in which uh, our indigenous uh, neighbors have used uh, cedar and the sea and salmon to, to create just remarkable culture and heritage and uh, uh, trading empires uh, long before the first white people arrived on these shores and the sort of technology that was used to uh, take advantage of natural resources to to have thriving uh, thriving communities and thriving uh, maritime culture. So that's that's going to be a really exciting exhibit. We've got a, a canoe that's been just made, 24-foot canoe by Joe Martin, who is an indigenous carver in Vancouver, British Columbia. That's going to be a centerpiece of the exhibit. So uh, there's, there's, there's so much, uh, as much as we have in the Columbia River Maritime Museum, there's so much more that we don't have because there's just so much maritime heritage out there. And uh, it's, you know, we could spend the next few, few centuries and still not cover all of it. Well, you're doing a pretty darn fabulous job. The Maritime Museum is a jewel in Astoria for sure. Um, I also want to mention that, um, Chris, you're going to be teaching a class, a shipwreck archaeology class at Classic Community College this spring, right? Yes, that's the first uh, time we're going to be able to teach that event. Uh, I, I used to teach all of the uh, anthropology courses up there, and then we got a super great uh, instructor uh, come in and take my place, and that gave me time now to work on what I really love, which is shipwreck archaeology. Uh, and th the course is basically broken up into two parts. The first one talks about how you can evaluate a culture or or see what happened in a culture in the past 
through the re the remains of a shipwreck. And in the second half, we're going to take uh, all of those cool scientific toys and show you how to find a shipwreck given those uh, individual uh, technological pieces and bring them all together. Talk about carbon dating and sonar and magnetometers and things like that. It's going to be a fun course, uh, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. That's great. And I want us to now focus on the actual conference, which tickets are going to be available at the door. Um, you don't have to buy your ticket in advance. You just need to write on your calendar that on Saturday, February 4th um, at noon, you come to the Maritime Museum and get your ticket. And so from noon until about five, uh, four-ish, I think it is, um, there are these incredible presentations, um, including this, this idea of finders keepers. The, what does that all mean? But why don't you tell us, Chris, let's walk through the agenda a little bit and tell us why you're so excited about the speakers and how, uh, how amazing and educational and informational and fun this is going to be for the public. Sure. Uh, it's it's going to be a load of fun. And uh, we're going to start at noon, uh, have the intro uh, and welcoming uh, presentations. And then the first real session is going to be uh, an Astoria, uh, an Astoria uh, neighbor of ours, uh, Mike Brown. He's one of our uh, most important uh, and, and critical survey uh, supervisors for this area. And he's going to talk about all the archaeological landscape uh, shipwrecks within um, within Young's Bay, and it's uh, a really fascinating uh, exhibit that you can see all of the shipwrecks in Young's Bay. Most of them have been abandoned, but we can study the culture based on those abandoned vessels. Uh, then session two is going to talk about the beeswax wreck. Uh, the Society for American Archaeology is ho hosting a conference in Portland in March, and we are uh, going to do, four of us are going to do a presentation on the beeswax wreck, and they limit you to 15 minutes. So this is going to be a fast and quick, uh, get the information out. Uh, they're going to talk about the discovery, uh, the recovery. I'll talk about the underwater search. And then follow it. And then we've got another gentleman talking about the land-based areas that we're going to look into. Melissa Darby, uh, she's going to talk about her uh, search for information on Drake. And she's written a book a couple of years ago. Uh, and it's going to be very interesting. And then our keynote speaker is going to be John Pulley, the uh, Oregon State archaeologist, who's going to talk exactly about what people can keep and what they cannot keep. Uh, when they find things on the beach. It's going to be a very fascinating talk. And he's going to explain why we have those rules. It's not because they want to be hard on people. It's because this information belongs to the public and they want to make sure the public has access to it. And if it's sitting in somebody's backyard or in their basement, uh, it, people can't study it. And then that that's going to kind of wrap it up. And then we're going to do some business with our trustees uh, and then we're going to head off to Bowie Beer and uh, have a party, I think. It sounds fabulous. And I think there's this renewed interest in shipwrecks because of the beeswax. And um, and the idea that, I mean, who doesn't want to think, I mean, and uh, that they're going to discover and find something that's going to tell us some piece of information we don't know. Uh, there's a, yeah, I mean, you're, and, and. You can use volunteers, you said, Chris. 
Yes, it, Mass is a totally volunteer program. Uh, none of us get any pay, uh, but we enjoy doing this, and it's exciting. It's adventure. Uh, it's the the excitement of discovery. I think is the big thing. But we have volunteers who, if you're a diver, we'll put you on a dive team, go out and look for uh, shipwrecks up and down the coast and in the Puget Sound. Uh, if you if you want to tromp around in the mud with Mike Brown in Young's Bay, looking at uh, old abandoned shipwrecks, we'd be happy to have you do that. Or if you just want to come and research shipwrecks, we meet every Wednesday afternoon at the Maritime Museum, and we just research all afternoon on different kinds of shipwrecks in the area down here and up in the Puget Sound as well. Oh, thank you both so much for being on the program. We only have a few minutes left, and so I want to give each one of you a chance to say any last thing we didn't perhaps talk about, but I do want to remind people again tonight at Port George, the doors open at six so you can get a beer. The presentation's at seven. And Chris Dewey, the shipwreck archeologist will be speaking at the Ales and Ideas program tonight. And then Saturday, February 4th, you just show up at the Maritime Museum at noon, get your ticket for the shipwreck conference. And Bruce, uh, deputy director of the Columbia River Maritime Museum, any last things you'd like the listening audience to know? Yeah, I just wanted to remind local listeners how much our education department does in our region. In October, for example, our Museum in the School program went up to a 70 different classroom presentation that reached over 1,600 students, and it's just such an important part of what we do. We we do presentations at the local assisted living facilities for senior citizens, and of course, we have field trips just about every day at the Maritime Museum. And we're always looking for volunteers. We look for people that'll work on the light ship, you know, do some painting and cleaning, to do tours on the light ship, tours in the museum, uh, curatorial research, uh, working in the store, just about anything that people have an interest in, we can find a place for volunteers at, uh, at the museum. So we're thrilled to have people contact us. And it's just a volunteer at crmm.org and we'll get you started. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bruce. Really looking forward to that. The, you know, the exhibit that's going to be happening toward the end of this year. And just the ongoing, you're, you know, you're always doing wonderful things at the Maritime Museum. So good on you. And thank you so much. Thank you. And Chris, any last things you'd like the listening audience to know? Well, I'm just grateful for all the support we've had here uh, in Astoria. The Maritime Museum, certainly. But uh, different uh, groups have come out and sponsored us. Uh, Bowie Beer has been one of our sponsors for a long time. Um, and we appreciate all of their efforts. And then the uh, the volunteers that we get are just truly amazing people. I get people just walk up and they say they want to join. And some of a lot of people just join, stay for a while, and then they get distracted by things. But I get folks in here who are equally as dedicated as I am. I know uh, Mike Brown is. We've got a couple of folks in Portland, uh, Drew Wendeborn, who's who's done a tremendous job with all of our technical stuff. But it's, it's the people that make this interesting or we, we wouldn't be doing it, not at all. Volunteering enriches our lives and the lives of others. And um, if you find something you're passionate about, uh, in this case, for you, Chris, shipwrecks and Bruce, maritime um, history. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. And I honor your work. And, uh, and this is an opportunity for those of you listening, if you're interested in and anything maritime, you have an opportunity to do it through the museum or through the Maritime Archaeological Society. 
Thank you so much. Thanks all of you who to listen to Coast Community Radio, KMUN. Talk of Our Towns airs the first Thursday of each month from 9 to 9.30. And I want to express my gratitude to Nevada for making this all happen via Zoom. And also um, the music is uh, by local talented banjo instructor Michael Grun. So thanks to him. Until... Well, until I guess tomorrow, let's, <laughs> until any time, let's, let's just stop right now and take a very deep breath because it's so good for our bodies, our minds, and our spirits. And we, we're so busy and distracted, but let's just stop right now and take a very deep breath together. And now focus on the things that are going well in your life. There will always be those things that aren't going well, but focus on the things that are with gratitude and then give yourself a loving and compassionate hug or a pat on the back for being uniquely you for doing the best you can. Everybody is until we know better and for being here now. In this moment, the only moment that exists, the now moment, life is right now, present moment on the amazing planet we call Earth.